I do have a message this morning. The Lord's been dealing with me all of this week. Uh, it's been a week long. Um, I'm not going to call it a struggle, but uh, a trial, I guess, going through preparing this message, uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart. And uh, I'm careful to say those words the Lord laid something on your heart. I hear that used a lot uh, from a lot of people, and I'm not sure they realize the, the magnitude of what they're saying. Uh, if it is true the Lord would lay something in your heart, that's that's a, a blessing. But uh, we need to be very careful of the words we choose when it comes to dealing with the Lord. Uh, some people have claimed uh, God lays stuff on their heart that is obviously against God's will. And so uh, that's another message for another time. But this morning I do have a message that's kind of burning like fire down my bones. And it's uh, we're going to take our, our beginning text out of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, and I will not be staying in this section very long, but I do want to use it for context. Matthew 16, and I'm going to look at verses 13 through 20, and then we have several other places to look at this morning, but for now, uh, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 16, start with verse 13. Here the Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Father, thank you for the reading of your word today. God, I pray that you bless it. God, help us preach. Preach for us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Well, here in our opening text, we find the Lord Jesus mentioning something for the very first time in your New Testament. If you want to look at there, the last part of verse 18, he says, And upon this rock I will build my church. If you underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline those words right there. I will build my church. He's speaking about the church. Specifically, he claims it to be his church. He said my church, meaning Christ alone is the designer. He's the builder. He's the owner, and uh, he is the Christ, the Lord of the house. And so the word church, by definition, of course, we all have heard it many times. It means a called out assembly. Now, you can call anything that's called out and assembles together a church if you'd like to. But when it comes to the Bible from Jesus, the church Jesus is mentioning, it's a called out assembly of believers. People who have placed their trust in Christ Jesus as they're saved. It is not the lost. The lost is not the church. It is only saved people. 
Now, in the Old Testament, those that belonged to God were also called out, but they were not referred to as the church. Uh, they were called the assembly of the congregation. They were called the congregation of Israel. And they were called the congregation of the, uh, of the Lord. But whichever way you say it, it all means the same. People that's been called out and separated from the world and unto God in the New Testament, unto Christ. And so we're a called out assembly of believers. Northside Baptist Church is a called out assembly of saved people. Yes. This is a New Testament church, as are most Baptist churches. We're Baptist by denomination, but we belong to the assembly of Christ, meaning we are the church. This fine place that we meet in, and I love it. I, I love looking at it. I love being in it. I love everything about this building. But it is not the church. It's the people inside that is the church. And I know you, you hear that a lot. Now, pastors like to, to push that point and push it and push it. It's because that's what the Bible tells us the church is. The Bible never calls a building a church. It's always referred to people and a sin. People that's been saved. So we are saved people who have voluntarily joined ourselves together for the purpose of worshiping God, exhorting one another, and being equipped to carry out the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is to share the gospel with this lost and dying world. We are the bride of Christ, the Bible calls us. We are the body of Christ, the Bible calls us. Christ being the head and we being the body. We are the most sacred and holy institution on the face of the earth and looking forward to that blessed hope which we will be again in heaven one day. And so this morning I want us to realize and understand that as Christ's church we have both a purpose and a mission. And we need to know what those two things are. Because sadly, the world does not understand the purpose or the mission of the church. Especially when we're talking about a local assembly of people that get together and meet together as a church body. While we were snowed in for nine days, thank you very much. I live in the <laughs> contrary, and they don't break the roads until they're already ready. Uh, but for nine days we were snowed in, and I, like most people, got on the internet and started looking through social media to keep up with family and friends, see what's going on, see how this road is and that road. That's the place you get your news nowadays. You can't rely upon the local news anymore. You've got to go to Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, but just like any, with anything, Facebook can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Uh, I personally knew a lady at, at their former church. She she quit going there, but she come up one day and pointed me in the face, and she said, "Every time I hear the word Facebook, it just it causes something red inside of me." And I said, "I understand that it can be used for bad, but however, it can be used for good." But I was, as I was reading through my friend's Facebook post. And I'm not here to preach about Facebook today, by the way. I'm preaching about the Lord Jesus and His church. I've titled the message, The Purpose and Mission of the Church. But I'm trying to, to get you to understand something. 
In those nine days, as I was scrolling through reading my friend's post, I started noticing a couple of posts that were being shared over and over and over. And they caught my attention because they all dealt with something about the church. The gist of it was, the first one was, there were three different Methodist churches here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that during the time when the weather was down in the, in the single digits and such, those three Methodist churches opened up their doors as a, what they now refer to as a warning center. A warning center is where people can go and stay and be sheltered and, and get out of the cold. It's especially helpful to homeless people and people that don't have shelter, people that electricity's went off and, and they can't stay warm. And so these three churches that said they would open their, their doors to allow people to come in and stay warm. And I applaud their efforts. That is wonderful. They obviously have the resources and the facilities and the manpower to allow such a thing to happen at their, their church building. And that was a great thing that I read about that. However, the post goes on to turn negative. And so the claim was that WATE, our local news station, I believe it's Channel 6, called 700 churches. Some of the posts said 600 churches. Uh, but they called 700 churches in Knoxville, and only out of all 700, only those three agreed to allow people to come in and stay sheltered during this cold weather. And so immediately, it went on to say, what a shame, and how can these churches and these pastors even call themselves Christians? And they leave it at that. And so then you read the comments, which there's literally hundreds of comments after that. And almost every single one of them is bashing the church, bashing the local churches. And they just go on and on. Well, first of all, um, that uh, WAT did not call 700 churches. That was debunked really fast. Uh, they, they even came out and said, we did not do that. And so, but besides the point, uh, nobody called me, but that's beside the point as well. But it's obvious from reading the comments that most people commenting either did not belong to a church or they had no idea whatsoever what a church is actually has the purpose and mission for. Uh, there were people on there saying that such things as all churches that would not do this need to lose their tax-free status. Listen, I don't care about tax-free status. Take it. It doesn't matter but that's beside the point. That's the first thing that comes out of most unsaved people's mouths anytime a church is mentioned in, in the media. Take away their tax status. Okay. And so there's people, you know, I can't believe there's churches right there in Knoxville, right in the heart of Knoxville, that wouldn't allow homeless people into their homes and into their houses, into their church buildings and, and all this stuff. Okay, I understand the, the, the knee-jerk reaction right there is to think, well, if you look at these churches, they've got these big fine buildings and, and obviously they've got money. And so why are they not allowing people to come in and stay? Isn't that the, the heart of the church? Isn't that what the church is supposed to do? And so as you look at the world's thoughts about the church's purpose and mission, some believe it's solely to go around and do good things. Some believe it is to feed the hungry. Some believe it is to shelter the homeless. Some believe it's to build wheelchair ramps and shovel snow for the driveways. Some believe it's to give money to charities or to buy people gas for their cars. Some believe it's to offer after-school programs for the youth and activities and sporting events for their children. 
These are actual things that people are saying that the church is supposed to do. But all those things are good things. And churches do do those things at times when they're able to. That is not the biblical purpose or mission of the local New Testament church. Stay with me. The purpose of the church. As we've already stressed, you need to understand the church is only made up of a saved body of believers, not lost people. There may be lost people in the church. There may be lost people that visit the church. There even may be lost people on the roll book of the church. But they are not part of the church of Christ if they are not saved. So only believers belong to the church. And that is where our purpose comes from. And our purpose comes, it's outlined in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's see what the Bible says about the purpose of the church. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start there at verse 11 and go through 16. The Bible says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in, to him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So if you look back up there at uh, verse 13, you're going to find the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in a nutshell, the purpose of the church is to glorify God by perfecting the members of the church to be more like Christ. That is the purpose of the New Testament church. We glorify God by perfecting ourselves to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it means, the, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we can measure ourselves up to Christ. You see, a lot of people want to measure things by the world's means. They may look at this church and say, look at all the empty pews. They must not be a very good church. And so they're measuring with the world's eyes, the world's view of what is uh, considered um, good or um, successful, that's the word, successful. They must not be very successful because look at how many empty pews are there. Because if they were successful, they would be overflowing with people. And so they're looking at it like the world. They, they, they would look at the bank account and say, well, if they were successful, they would have millions of dollars in the bank account. They may look at the building and say, well, if they were successful, they would have a grand building stretching over several acres of land. Uh, much like a mega church. And so people look at that type of thing to measure success on. But that is not what God looks at when he looks at the church. He doesn't look at our bank account. He doesn't look at the number of people that's just abused. He doesn't look at how big the building is. In fact, we're never told in the Bible that the, the church is even supposed to worry about buildings. We're not told to go out and build buildings. 
we're called to go out and preach the gospel. And so we are to glorify God by perfecting ourselves to be more like Christ. That's why we came in here today. So that we could exhort one another, that we could hear the word preached, songs sung about Jesus, lift up the name of God, worship God, lift him up, lift up Jesus Christ, and, and learn about him so that we can be more perfected to be more like him. So that we, when we measure ourselves, we say, am I even coming close to measuring up to Christ? And you're going to find when you measure with God's eyes, you're going to find you do not measure up to Christ. But we're trying. That's what we're trying to be. It's more like Christ. When I was growing up, I would follow my dad around. He wore those old Kmart boots. Uh, I don't know what they were called, Texas Steer or something like that. They were just cheap boots. But that's what he wore. And we'd go out in that garden. And boy, he'd go down that garden, plant a seed and everything. I'd come behind him. You could see my little bare feet trying to step over in those boot prints, you know. Because I want to be like my dad. I want to imitate my dad. I want to be like him. But I couldn't measure up to him. I couldn't do it. We can't measure up to Christ the way that we desire to. That's what we're trying to do. And that's what the Bible says that we're here to do. We're trying to come into it and be a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We'll never get there until we reach heaven. But we're sure going to try. And so we know this is God's desire for his church because we read this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. He says, Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Let's stop there for a second. You see how important this is to him. Christ loves the church so much that he died for the church. He died for it. What's that mean? He died for people that would be saved. That would be saved. So lost sinners that would be saved, he died for them because he was building a church. Why? Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to who? Himself. To present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. And so we see there as our purpose. Uh, God's trying to perfect us into the, the man and the man and woman that we need to be for Christ. To, to measure up to Christ and to be perfected so that we can be presented to Him perfect, not having His Father wrinkled. Now, of course, that doesn't mean a church body of Christ can't go out and help people with their physical needs. Certainly, it doesn't mean that we cannot do those things. But that is not our purpose. Our purpose is not that. If a church has resources, facilities, manpower to take on local missions, feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, offering programs, that is all good things. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the main purpose of the church. A few years ago, there was a, a local church who said, if you'll come to this gas station, we'll fill up your tank for free. And so, cars were lined up up and down the road. I mean, just waiting to get in there. And if you went and read all the comments under that article when it was put in on the news site, what were they saying? This is what a church should be doing. This is what the church should be doing. We're supposed to be paying for people's gas? Is that, is that our purpose? Obviously, the world doesn't understand the purpose of the church. Sure, if the church has the ability to do that, if they have the desire, if their heart wants to help people get their gas, that's a good thing, that's a fine thing, if they're able to. But we first have to realize that is not our main purpose. 
If we leave out the gospel and just go around doing charity and go around doing social deeds and activities, we've lost our track. We've lost our way. We've got to get back to what God says is the purpose of the church. And so we're to glorify God by perfecting ourselves to be more like Christ. So what's our mission? Now that we know our purpose, what's our mission? Well, keep in mind again, the church is only made up of saved people. Saved people. It's not the building, it's a body of believers. As believers, our mission is from God's Word in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, here we find the mission of the church, or you could call it the commission. We often call this the Great Commission. And it's to share the gospel. And it is not just the responsibility of your pastor. It's not just the responsibility of, of your deacons. It's not just the responsibility of the, the Sunday school teachers. Or even the missionaries that we support. It's not solely their responsibilities. If you belong to the body of Christ, your part of this church, it is your responsibility. Each individual has a responsibility to carry out the mission of the church. Each one of us. You may not be a pastor, preacher, deacon, or evangelist, or missionary, or any of those things, but you have a mission, a commission from the Lord Jesus for saved people. Those that belong to the church have a mission to go and share the gospel with the lost and dying world. That can be done in many different ways. It don't have to be done from behind the pulpit. It can be done in your community. It can be done in your workplace. It can be done in your even your own home. You can do those things. Your own backyard. You can you can share the gospel with whoever you meet, whenever you meet, in, in times that you can. And so the mission of the church is to share the gospel. The church is the body of believers, and we can fulfill this mission through various ways. And we do these things. We do that by teaching. That was it was emphasized right there in the Great Commission. Twice, teaching, teach others, go teaching them. So we are to teach. We are to preach the Word of God. We're not up here preaching Dr. Seuss books. We're preaching from the Word of God. It's weak and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what we're preaching today. We do it through evangelizing. That simply means going and sharing the gospel with people and uh, if, you know, if they need to know how to be saved, you explain that through uh, evangelizing. That's what that is. It's, it's showing somebody through the Word of God how they can be saved, what it means. We do that by sending missionaries. It could be local missionaries here in the United States, or it could be foreign missionaries. There are missionaries all over, but we do that by sending missionaries. Do it by distributing Bibles whenever possible. We can do it by distributing Bible tracts and gospel literature. If you ever need Bible tracts to distribute, just come and ask me. I'll give you some. And you can go and distribute them. We do it through broadcasting through electronic means such as television, radio, internet, and much, much more. Uh, this sermon that I'm preaching right now, if the Lord willing, is going out on Facebook live stream. If it's working today, you never know. Uh, but if not, I'm recording it on my phone. And I'll upload it to Sermon Audio and it'll go out all over the world. Do you know that last month 
the sermons that had been preached from this church. There were over 3,000 downloads just listening to the sermons. Do you know we have a YouTube page that you go on where we have the singing on there and the church service and the preaching and it's getting all kinds of views now? It just started just a couple months ago. And I believe we've already got like 192 subscribers on it or something. And people are listening to those and commenting and sending me messages and things. All from this small local assembly of church. Because we're using the means that we have available to us, electronic means. Like I said, the internet can be used for good or bad. You can go on Facebook and watch a, a message at a, from, from a church. Uh, hear singing and preaching and, and everything else. And so we accomplish these things through the means that we have. But we don't have tons of money or, or great numbers of people or the facilities to allow to have a warning center. We don't have those things available to us. But we have other means to fulfill the purpose and mission of the church. Now, it can be accomplished through things such as food programs, social ministries, community outreach. But we must never allow social gospel to take the place of spiritual gospel, of God's gospel, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot allow social gospel to override the truth of the gospel. Now, feeding people is great, but they must be fed with the word of God. That's the number one thing. If you leave out the word of God when you're trying to help people, you might as well just call yourself a charity or organization such as Red Cross, United Way, or Habitat, or Humanity. Those are not churches. That is not our purpose to do what they did. Let me give you a biblical example here. This may, this may open your eyes here if, if, you're, if you're still resistant to what our mission is. Listen to this. Over in Luke chapter 15, we all know the story of the prodigal son. That's what we call it. It's not what the Bible calls him, but that's what we call it, the prodigal son. Uh, we know the one that, that took his inheritance when. Let me read the first six verses of it. And I'll explain what I'm talking about. Luke 15, start in verse 11. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. All right, stop right there. We know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. The son finally wakes up, he comes home, and the father welcomes him in. Uh, but if this story had been going on today, let me tell you what people would do. First of all, there would be a group that got up and said, Oh no, this young man needs help, he's homeless, let's find him shelter. There'd be another group that step up and say, Oh no, this young man's lost everything he had. We should get him some money and a place to stay. Another group would say, Oh no, this young man's hungry. Let's fix him a meal and maybe get him, get him on some government programs so that he can, so he can have some food. Another would say, Oh no, this young man's lost in a foreign country. These lost children, they need help. We need to help these lost children. Some would say, Oh no. Nobody would help him. No one. What has the world come to? 
How can they call themselves God's people? That's the response of the world to this parable that the Lord Jesus has. This parable is dealing with a sinner, a lost sinner, out in the world. That's what this is dealing with. In all those scenarios, all these people have more compassion on his plot than they do his soul. They would never mention the real problem that exists down in his heart. He needs God. But we want to help him socially. Sure, he has real problems that he brought, him, brought on himself. But his biggest problem was that he allowed sin to control his life. He's a picture of a lost sinner out in the world. The old Baptist preacher, Vance Hacker, he's quoted as saying this. If they had a social gospel in the days of the prodigal son, somebody would have given him a bed and a sandwich and he never would have gone Ain't that the truth? Mm -hmm. That's the way the world is. There's no concern about the soul. They're more concerned about the social things. There was another story that was posted several times about a, a, a lady who was homeless. And uh, she froze to death. She died in that. It's a horrible thing. Horrible thing. And uh, I hated that. It broke my heart knowing that. But from what I understand, from everything I read from the news accounts, she refused to go into a cell. She was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and uh, she refused to go in. And so she froze to death. But the comments that people want to make wanted to blame her death on who? The church. The church. It's the church's fault she died. Nobody would ever it. And that's the knee-jerk reaction. Blame somebody else for it. How many of these people went out on their own and tried to help that lady? How many of them went over there and said, come to my house, I'll let you stay there in the yard room? How many of them did that? None of them that I know of. But yet it's so easy to start pointing fingers at the local assembly and claiming the church is supposed to do that. That's what they're supposed to do. That's their mission. That's why she died. That's why people are homeless. That's all that. Look, as a church, our mission is to share the gospel. And it is not a social gospel. We can do social activities. We can do those things if we're able to. If we have the means. If we have the manpower. And that is one of the biggest things when it comes to a church being able to do outreach. It has to have individuals that's willing to step up and say, I'll do that ministry. I have it on my heart that I want to do that. And I want to do it in the name of the church. And if that's what you want to do, then you should do that. But you can't just look at the church and, and the whole thing and say, they are the ones failing people because they're not doing their job. And so our purpose is what? To glorify God by perfecting the members to be more like Christ. So we don't come here to single to say, hey, look at the good looking clothes that she has on today. Or look at that suit he's wearing. Or did you see their car in the parking lot? You know, it's not for those things. I knew a lady that came to church every time Girl Scout cookies were ready to be sold. And that's what her purpose was, to sell Girl Scout cookies. Showed up in the girls' circles, gals first, selling babies. And so the church is not for all this other hubbub. It is glorify God. That's our purpose by perfecting ourselves to be more like Christ. And what's our mission? 
Our number one mission above anything else is to share the gospel. To proclaim the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The good news is there because there's bad news. Bad news is if you're, you're a lost sinner and you're bound for hell. And the only way that you can be saved is through the good news of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ, he was sent here. He died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again in three days. And that, my friend, is the gospel. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what the world needs to know. And if they don't know it, if they don't hear it, how are they going to know it? One time, I was at the house back when we lived in the parsonage over at the church, and uh, my wife called me. And she said, "You better get your car under the carport because there's a hailstorm coming." She was over at her dad's house in Hawks. I was over on Bailey Road. I hadn't heard anything about it. I hadn't watched the news. I didn't know nothing about it. I was completely oblivious to a hailstorm that was coming that day. But when she told me about it, I said, "Really?" And I ran out, got my car, put it on the cardboard, and just minutes later, here it comes. Big old, great old, big ice balls. But if I had not heard her tell me that, I would not have known. If I had not have known, then I would not have took action. If the world doesn't hear about Jesus, they don't know. If they don't know, they can't take action. So what is our purpose? To tell them. You're lost. You're bound for hell. You need Jesus in your heart. You need to be saved before it's too late. Yeah. And if they have a need after hearing the gospel, that's fine. Give them sandwich. They need to hear about Jesus. They've got to hear about Jesus. And so the world don't like our purpose. The world don't like our mission. The world has other ideas of what a church is supposed to be. But God says differently. Let me read this and I'll be finished. First Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Paul speaking to young Timothy. He's a pastor of that church. And he said, These things write out unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Here it is, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on, the, on in the world, and received of men the glory. There Paul tells us, God says, this is the church of the living God. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. There's no truth in the world. Outside of God's word, there's no truth. It's not true. You just can't believe anything you hear except for God's word. And so we are the, to be the pillar and ground of the truth. So when the world looks at us, says your mission is by gas, your mission is by food, your mission is to, to house the homeless, your mission is to, to provide shelter, your mission is to do this and do that. I'm sorry, that is not our mission. We can do those things when we're able, but our mission is to share the gospel. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you, do you remember what it is, our purpose? We're to glorify God by perfecting ourselves to be more like Christ. If you can ever start measuring yourself up to what Christ is, you're toward you. I feel sometimes this is Christ. You can't even see me down there. I'm so far down there. I'm nowhere near you. But we're trying. And our mission is to go into all 
nations teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And so we are to share the gospel with the Lord. Brother Scott, if you come give a song. I'm going to ask you this morning if you need to come down to all the three reasons, whatever it may be, whether it's poor salvation or backslidden condition. Maybe you need to speak and pray, ask the Lord to help you. Maybe you need to, uh, I don't know, rededicate your life or whatever your need may be today. Uh, I'm going to pray, and everybody will please stand if you're able to. And I'm going to pray if you have a need to come down to the Father, God, thank you for the message today. Lord, thank you for working me over with it this week, God. God, thank you for showing us what our purpose and our mission is for your church, the glorious church, unspotted, unblemished, perfect, God. God, help us be the church that you would have to be. Lord, right here in this, in this community, God, may we shine forth the light of Jesus Christ above all things. May the gospel come from this place, from these people today, God, these people that are part of your church, God. May we share the gospel with the lost and dying world. Help us call you. May we glorify you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need help, you come down this morning.